open your Bibles to Habakkuk. And we're going to be looking at Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1 to 3. And here we have in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, it says, I will stand on my watch and station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he says to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. And then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. This afternoon, there are four phases that we go through, four phases that possibly you're going through right now when it comes to the fulfillment of God's plan, God's destiny for us. The first phase is always the phase that everybody has to go through. And that phase is the vision phase, the vision phase. God will always begin with a vision. That's the way it all begins. If God is going to use your life, it always begins with God's purpose within your life. And what's important to understand is that all of us, God has a plan for all of us. All of us. God uses all of us. God has a purpose for all of us. God has a vision for your life. The other day I was in a TBN, and I was there with Matt Crouch. And TBN and, and us, Julie and I, and Victor Arch TBN, we go way back in a relationship that we have, we've had for many years. I used to do the Praise the Lord program, TBN, and Julie was also involved in, in doing communi community uh, relations. She was over that in the TBN as well. We used to program all over. In fact, even now, we have a program on TBN. It comes out uh, on Fridays. Every Friday we come out on TBN. It's a program that reaches out. It's called Treasures. It reaches out all over the world. Even in South Africa, they see the program. Even in, in, in uh, different places around the world, they're able to see the program Treasures. So we've had a good relationship and an, uh, a relationship with TBN for many years. The other day, I was on the TBN uh, program. We were doing an hour program, and I was doing it with uh, uh, Paul's son, Matt Crouch. And one of the things that I noticed is that he said to me, you know, as I interview you and as you talk to the people, he says, uh, try to communicate with them that you don't have to be somebody special for God to use your life. He says, you know, sometimes people out there, they begin to look at those that are on television and those that God is using in, around the world, and they think they could never come to that place. And they, they think that there's somebody special, that there's a, a glow on them, something that could never happen to them. It is, would you be able to tell them, you know, from your heart that not only Pastor Sonny could be used by God, not only God is able to use Pastor Sonny and many ministers as well, but that God is able to use every person that is tuning in on the program. And I think that's something that is very, I thought about it, I says, wow, man, 
uh, that's something that, uh, that is very important because when you look, even looking at me sometimes, it only happens in Victory Outreach. When I get out of Victory Outreach, I'm a common folk. They say, Sonny who? And I said, don't you, don't, don't you know me, man? Don't you know me? You mean you don't know me? I'm the founder of Victory Outreach. Watch Victory Outreach. But in, in Victory Outreach, in the family, man, you know, you say, you know, I, I come around the people just like uh, Chella was saying. Uh, she got nervous. And I see that happening with people many times. I, I go up to them, hello, and they're, you know, like that. They're like that. And, and I think the reason why is because they kind of put you up here. And sometimes when they put you up here, they don't think, many times they don't think that they could be up there as well that God is able to use them the way he uses me, the way he uses any of the ministers in Victory Outreach. And that's the truth. And the reason why is because God has a purpose for every person that is in this place. God has a purpose. That's why I like that scripture that says he's taken the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's one of my favorite scriptures so that nobody gets the glory, that only Jesus gets the glory. That's why he loves to specialize with people like you and I. Because when people look, they look at us and they see the way God is using us and then they have to respond, that must be God. It can't be man, but it must be God. So it's important then for someone to get a hold of the vision that God has given to them. Every one of us need to get a hold of a vision. Every one of us, we need to get a hold of a, a goal that God has given to us. You got to set your sights on a target and a pur purpose within your life. See, when God works in your life, he always gives you a vision of what he wants you to do and how he wants you to use your life. And you can't find any excuses. Sometimes we look for so many excuses why we can't be used of God, but I have news for you this afternoon that whatever calling God gives you, and I know there's some of you that understand that God has called you to something and God has, has a purpose for you. you. You know that, and if he does call you and he has a purpose for you and a vision for you, then he's going to give you the gifts so that you will be able to accomplish it. That's what's beautiful about it. I was sharing about how, and I, I want to be transparent this afternoon. And I was sharing on television. I said, many of you don't think God is able to use you, but look at us. You know, we have a, a worldwide organization. That's what we actually have. We have our offices. If you go to our offices, we have all kinds of people that are working within our office. And all professionals professional people that are working there doing various jobs within our office to be able to meet the needs, not only the local needs, but the global needs of victory outreach around the world. Now, if you say to me, oh, what's the technical area that they're doing, or you go to each, each ministry or each one that's working there, this one's doing that or this one's doing that, and if you want me to give you details, I can't give you the details. 
Can't give you details. How do they do it? I don't know. But I tell you what I do know, what I know is that I know where we, we need to go. That's the key. In other words, I get direction from God. And God says, this is where I want you to go. This is where I want Victory Outreach to go. Simple. And then I go to them, and I meet with all these heavy-duty people, and I say to them, okay, this is where God wants us to go, and your job is to get us there. I, they, I say that to PhDs. We have, uh, you know, Dr. Tom, you know. He comes to me, wait, okay, Pastor Sonny, what do, you, what, do you, what do you want us to do? What do you, where do you want us to go? And I'm able to tell him, you know, well, this is what you got to do. Sit down, man. Now, he's got a PhD, right? I didn't even pass eighth grade. I didn't even graduate from junior high school, man, to tell you the truth. And I didn't quit. I got kicked out. Got kicked out. Fifteen years old, and I was heavy on drugs, and I got kicked out. And then busted in jails over ten times in and out of jails in New York City. But as soon as Jesus came, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any uh, future, you know. Uh, as soon as Jesus came, I said, as soon as Jesus came, Jesus made all the difference. What happened is, as soon as he came, all of a sudden he gave me a vision. You know, he gave me a divine purpose for my life. He gave me a divine destiny. And from that moment on, my life has been totally changed, totally transformed. So he, he called me, and you know the calling that he's given to me, but at the same time, not only has he called me, but he's also given me the giftings so that I would be able to accomplish the call and accomplish what he wants me to do. So not only does he give you the vision, but he also gives you the giftings. He will gift you. He'll give you the giftings and the ability to be able to do what he has called you to do. There are many examples of that within the word of God. Many examples of that. We have God gave Noah the vision of building the ark. Remember that? God gave Abraham the vision of being a father of a great nation. God gave Joseph the vision of being a leader that would serve his people. God gave Nehemiah, you see, he's not uh, Trump, the first one that was building the wall, you know. I think he got that idea from Nehemiah. God gave Nehemiah the vision of building the wall around Jerusalem. Now, he accomplished it. God gave David the vision of building a temple. Nothing happens. Listen to me. Nothing happens until you get a hold of the vision that God has for you. Now, how do you know that the vision is from God and not from yourself? Man, I've seen a whole lot of people, man, you know, they go on a trip, you know. Well, well, how do you know it's from God and not from yourself? If your vision contradicts the word of God, then it's not coming from God, it's coming from self. 
because God will never ask you to do something that will actually contradict his word. Now, a vision from God, when God gives you a vision, or you can even say a dream, you know, a dream from God, or a vision from God, God's purpose, always it requires faith. Faith, that's why I like that, that uh, tape, not the tape, that uh, CD, right? I like that CD, because it was one in one of our, one of our, one of our conferences, I forget which conference it was. I got all stirred up, man. I got all stirred up, and I got on faith. Remember that? Faith, 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 and all that. Faith, faith, faith. That's what it actually takes. What does it say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It requires faith, and the reason why it requires faith. Because if the vision is from God, if the vision is really from God, it is something that you can't do by yourself. It is, if it's from God, it's too big for you to do on your own. Now think about it for a moment. Could I have been able to do on my own what we have now, a global ministry, a worldwide ministry? Could I have been able to do it by, my own, by myself? No. It took faith, and then God came. God came on the scene, and he made it possible. And I like that scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. I love this scripture. Notice what it says. God is able. I like that. God is able to do more than we would dare to ask. Notice what he's saying. Daring, dare to ask or even dream of. You hear that? It's bigger than your dream, what God is able to do. Infinitely beyond our highest prayer, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Now that's big, man. God starts with a vision that is always bigger than self. So the vision, that's where that's why we talk a lot about vision, because uh this is a ministry that's vision-oriented. This is what it is. If somebody would ask you, what type of ministry is it? You say, this is a ministry that's vision-oriented. Say, what do you speak so much about vision? You ever have people say like that to you? You know, I've had people say that. What do you talk about vision? What's this thing about vision? Well, we, we, we exist because of the vision that God has given to us. And this is a ministry that is vision-oriented. Because God gave us a vision, God gave us a purpose, and we're going about following the vision and the purpose that God has given to us. And it all, it's always bigger than self. Bigger than self. See, God always starts with a vision that is bigger than self. Okay, that's the, the first phase. This is the way we started. 50 years ago, a simple vision, right? And it starts on a small, small thing. You don't, you don't start. What am I going to start? I had to grow, man. I, I didn't start with a vision of taking the world. I started with the vision, whatever, whatever he was revealing to me. That's the way I started 50 years ago. The second thing that has to do, the second phase that has to do with, uh, with following God and, and being able to come and, and fulfill his vision, fulfill the destiny that he has for you, 
is that nothing is going to happen to that vision until you put it into action. You hear that? Putting it into action. We have to make the decision, bless God, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Now, this is a scary thing to be able to step out. I got it. In other words, he says, okay, go ahead, and this is what I want you to do. Now do it. And what happens to some of us? Wait a minute. He says, jump. Wait, wait a minute. We got we to gotta think about this a little bit. We got to rationalize this whole situation. That's not acting in faith. That's acting in reason. You see, so he says, uh, step out. There are many visionaries in the world, but very few decision makers. Many dreamers in the world, but very few people that actually step out. So a lot of people have vision, but they never step out and make it happen. And in this decision faith phase is always the phase of paying a price. Pay the price. Not everybody wants to pay that price. It's going to cost you, first of all, it's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your time. You have to give your vision priority. Give priority above everything else. You got to give this vision priority. Then also it may cause you your comfort. It may be an uncomfortable situation. And some people want to keep their comfort. It also may even cost you your reputation. Because not everybody is going to understand it. Especially the kind of ministry we have. The kind of ministry we have. Now, nowadays, you know, we got a lot of young people that look good, you know, like, uh, like Esteban, doesn't it, you know? You know you, you know, you look good hanging out with Esteban. But in the beginning, his father, I don't know if you look good hanging out with his father. Steve and some of those heavy dudes, some of those heavy guys that we had in the very beginning. And even the people, you know, many of the pastors in the beginning, they actually said in the beginning, you know, uh, you take the guys, you know, you, you, you take them, you know. That's, that's even why we even started the Victory Outreach. I was, well, I was ordained Assemblies of God. And even till this day, we have a relationship with the International Office in Springfield, Missouri, with the head of the Assemblies of God. He, he'll be sending us a, a message also at the, at the World Conference, because I was raised Assembly of God, I was licensed Assembly of God, I was ordained Assembly of God, I was an evangelist for the Assemblies of God for a number of years. I would go into a town, and all the Assemblies of God would open up their doors so that I could go in and preach the gospel. So how did I wind up in Victory Outreach? Well, I'll tell you how I wound up in Victory Outreach. There was a need. There was a need, and that need was that the characters that were getting saved, all heavy-looking characters, man, they guys look at, you know, they really look like killers, you know, some of these guys. And the thing is, sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't remember how they were. You don't see the picture how they were out there. You don't see the picture how they were out there, you know, because they get nice. When they get saved, they get nice. 
Some of you guys that are here, when you get saved, you get nice. And then you go to, can I do anything for you, pastor? Could I pack, park your car, pastor, you know? And then even sometimes we rebuke them. You know what, man? You know what? Oh, okay, pastor. Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for, for rebuking me. But to be honest with you, those dudes outside, man, before they got saved, they would have went upside your head in a minute, man. But it's Jesus that changes. But, but they, they, they look, they still have, when they first come in, they still have that look. Some of you have been saved 30 years, you still got that look. They, they have that, that look. So in the beginning, what happened to us years ago, in the beginning, the churches didn't want them. You know, we were getting them saved, and okay, and I would take them to an Assembly of God church or a four-square church and take them to one of them. Okay, go to that church. Go to this church. And the pastor would say, please, please. Sonny, please. Please, Sonny. I, I know that you love Jesus. I, I, I love Jesus too. But don't send me these people. And the reason why they said, because if you send me, this is not my calling. That's the way they would do the excuse. That's not my calling. And if you send me these people, I'll lose my good people. See? That's what they said. So that's how, you know, that's one of the reasons also Victory Outreach was birthed. And you know what happened? When in Panama, it, I went on a trip, man, to Panama. It was like, uh, it's 30 years Behind, even more than that, 30, about 30 years behind Panama. Behind that, I went on a trip. Wow, man, this reminds me of the beginning days of Victory Outreach. Well, one of the guys that were doing work, working with the guys in the streets and working with drug addicts came to me, Pastor, you know what, man? I want to tell you something, man. Man, I, you know, I have a challenge. And I says, what's the challenge that you have? He says, I'm working with all these guys, but I can't put them nowhere. I can't put them nowhere. And the reason why I can't put them nowhere, the pastors don't want them. Man, it was like a trip, man. Like I, I went back 30 years. And I told you, but you know what, man? I want to tell you something, man. I got good news for you, man. I have good news for you, man. Victory Outreach is in town. And we will welcome any one of them. <laughs> Reputation. Even uh, the people would say to me, even some close people that I did work with them before, and sometimes they, now they say, oh, that's a nice man. In the beginning, they, they say, what are you going to do with these people, man? You know, you're going to ruin your reputation? Well, you know, that's a, when you work in this Working like that, there's a tendency that there's going to be people that it's going to, you're going to mess up your reputation because you're hanging out with the people you're not supposed to be hanging out with. That's the way they begin to see it. Talk about reputation. and I'm just sharing with you guys, okay? Talking about reputation. You know that I was accused of running the mafia? I'm serious. I was accused of running the mafia. We had a, a revival 
with the guys from the mafia, the Mexican mafia. We had a revival with them. It's, you know, when I read a revival, God was saving them. It was a moving of God that began to save them. They started coming to church. Our blouse was one of them that also came to church. You know our blouse, right? Yeah, so some of his buddies also, some of the other guys, some of the shot callers also came to church. I had a challenge with them too because uh, some of them shot callers, you know the, uh, it is in prison, man. You know, you gotta, they stand back over there and everybody comes, does homage to them. Yeah, man, you know, like, huh? Yeah, you know, right? you know uh, well, they try to do that in church. The same thing. Some of them would stay outside, outside church, you know, before the, before the, uh, the church started, they would stay outside like that, and all the guys would come and, hey, man, you know, yeah, like, okay, man, we're good, man. We're, <laughs> and then they go in church, and they stayed out until the service started, until everybody came, and then they would walk into church. I said, what in the world is that? <laughs> they think we're in the yard. <laughs> and I went, you know, there's something about the authority God gives you. Oh, isn't, that, isn't that heavy? If God calls you to do something, he's going to give you the anointing, he's going to give you the authority to be able to do it. And I went to them, I went to them, I said, you, want, you know what, man? Oh, look at that, maybe come. Again, with the authority of God. You know, I, got, I got what you call that, that holy indignation. In other words, I got mad. Man, you try to spiritualize it. The holy indignation. And I went over, I said, man, what do you think you're doing out here, man? What do you think you're doing out here? You know where you belong? I don't want you out here anymore. You hear what I said? I want you inside of that church. And you're nobody special here. Just You just like everybody else. You know what they said? Yes, Pastor. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Stuck out my chest now. God's man is in town. Woo! Why did that happen? Because of the calling that God gave. But then when you talk about the reputation, the newspapers came and they did a whole story on me that I was organizing the mafia. And then they were surveilling my house. The, the cops were surveilling my house and newspaper came on that. People began to say, oh, Sonny's involved with the mafia. Sonny's involved with the mafia. I had to go over to uh, the newspaper people and tell them, man, if you don't do that, I'm going to, if you retract that, that newspaper article, or I'm going to sue you people. You know? Thank God they left us, began to leave us alone. My phones were tapped, all that. Well, why? Because I was working with kind of people. I was working with those people. And I went through that experience. It caused you your energy as well. The reason why it's going to cause you your energy is you have to give it all you got. You can't go halfway with that. 
You must have a passion for it. You must be willing to invest all you have for the vision that God has given to you. And those of you that are in the church, whatever ministry you're in, that's why I like to see people that are aggressive. I, I, I love you, Pastor, man. You know, I love you. I, I, I don't, you know, it's something about those lame ministers sometimes, man. Oh, God. They're like, come on, get to work. Do something, my God. How in the world are you going to build a work like that? I like, I like this. And then I'm coming over here, and he's got a billboard. My God. He, he's not fooling around. He's even got a billboard. I, I don't know if anybody came because of the billboard, but at least he got the billboard. <laughs> That's what you call somebody that, that has passion. And that's why this church is going to grow. That's why this church is going to grow. Now, if you begin to get the passion of your pastor and begin to get that passion that this man has and this woman has, then there's going to be a spiritual revolution that's going to take place here within the church. So whatever you're involved in, if you're working with the kids, have a passion for that. You're working with the music, and I can see they have passion, man. That music was good. Man, I, I came, I needed a little bit of touch when I came this morning, you know. I needed some victory over here, my God, you know. <laughs> I came this morning. Julie turns around to me, ah, how do you feel? I, I feel good, man. I, 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 I got the victory. I got... All, all from the music ministry, man. That's one of the most powerful things. Music ministry. By the time, you know, that music is all I come up here, I said, man, I'm ready to take on the devil. I'm ready to take on whatever. Because uh, you need the passion for whatever you're going to be doing. And whatever ministry you're in within the church, you should have a passion for that. I mean, you're not going to be affected. If it's just halfway, it's not going to be effective. you got to give yourself totally to that ministry that God has given. That vision that God has given to you, you have to give yourself totally to that vision. In other words, you have to lay it all on the line and take the plunge with the attitude, God, you told me to do it, and bless God, I'm going to go for it. You have to let go of your security. You cannot move in faith and hold on to the past at the same time. And I want to bring that out. You have to move forward and let go and let God. Now, are you moving forward? That's why uh, with the church in San Jose, I think they got a little bit too comfortable in church when I got there. I don't know. I told them, so I'm telling, I told them. They got a little bit too comfortable, too churchy, you know, real Sophisticated, come into church, hallelujah, sit down. I told them, so I'm telling you too, I told them. And uh, they, uh, music was like program. I like this, man, it wasn't, you know, I mean, it could have been program, but you, you would turn loose, man. <laughs> in the beginning, when I, when, I, when I came in, it was so many songs, 
And oh, they sing their songs, and okay, okay, they're gone. I said, man, I, you know, let this Holy Ghost take over, man. What, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of program is that? And even when I, even when I said, uh, how many here for the first time? Not one person would raise their hands. And I said, oh my God. Oh my God. So that's what we gave it. I said, uh, it was Victory Outreach Channel, is that right? So I, I added to it and I put, what did I put? The church? The church on the move. Why did I put that? Because we're not going to stand still anymore and be in a plateau. The church is going to move ahead. The church is going on. The church is going on. And, and the, that's what's happening in San Jose now. You walk into San Jose church, it's a whole different spirit. I was there in the, this morning and they had the music ministry. Man, were they on a roll. Tonight they'll be on a roll again because it's not standing still no more, but it's moving on, the church on the move. And that's the way you should be yourself. You should be moving on the move. Always a new experience. That's the way it's supposed to be. For 50 years, Julie and I are still on the move. We haven't parked somewhere to get comfortable. That's what happens to some people. It's very dangerous when you come to a place of stagnation. You come to a place of being comfortable and park yourself somewhere. That's where people have fallen into sin. Because God wants you to move from glory to glory, from experience to experience. Moving on. The plateaus of experience will take you into sin. God always wants us to move on. And we've been doing it for 50 years and we're still excited. I'm still moving on. Look where I am now in Panama. Look where I am now, San Jose. Always pioneering, always moving ahead, doing something, stepping out, letting God begin to give me new experiences, believing God for even greater things, not being satisfied somewhere. That's the way the church should be. It's boring if you're not moving out, man. It's boring if you're staying still, man. You're doing nothing. That's a boring Christianity. It's exciting to be able to come to church and say, I wonder what God is going to do for me now. Oh, bless God. God's going to do something in my life. I just know it. Oh, God is going to take me to another dimension. God is going to take me to another level. There's a new anointing that God's going to give to me. That's the way Victory Outreach began. And that's the way Victory Outreach needs to continue. There are churches that I could mention, they've lost that and they lose their congregation. You go into the, the church service, it's boring. No anointing. That's not the type of churches that God has raised up in Victory Outreach. We're a group of people that are moving on. The church on the move. Let me move quickly because you guys... I'll stay here all afternoon, man. I got another service, man. Come on. They're going to get mad at me over there. 
You're going to say, I know Pastor Stephen was going to do that. <laughs> God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. What did Abraham do? He had to step out, right? Some of you need to step out. He had to step out. And he had to leave home for an unknown destination. God's not going to detail God. He's not going to give you a, 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 the whole plan. He just says, okay, I got something for you. Step out. By faith, step out. Well, Abraham stepped out. Nehemiah had a secure job in order to go to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. He had to step out. God gives you a vision, but you have to make the decision and actually begin to step out. I stepped out to go to San Jose. I stepped out to go into Panama. Stepped out. God says, it's a need over there. Come on. Tackle that knee. I said, okay, Lord. And I'm getting used to stepping out now. Now I go, I don't understand. I just go, all right. <laughs> if you don't catch me, I'm in trouble. <laughs> stepping, stepping out. Stepping into the unknown. But stepping out. Then also the, let me move. I got more, but let me move to the next phase. The next phase, so we tackle the vision phase, the decision phase. The next phase is the phase I hate, the waiting phase. How many of you like to wait? In other words, God is not going to fulfill your vision immediately. God has not promised to give you a vision today and fulfill it tomorrow. He's not promised that. There's always going to be a waiting period. In Habakkuk, look what it says in Habakkuk that we read, the opening scripture. These things I plan won't happen right away, but it says slowly, slowly. But then it says steadily, surely, I like that surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. See, in this phase, we begin to ask a lot of questions. Yes, and I know you do that in your prayer. When, Lord? When, Lord? When are you going to answer my prayer? And you made me a promise. Where is that promise being fulfilled? When you're going through this particular vision, uh, you, 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 what happens to you is that you have to wait. When you're going to make this vision, if you're going to make it a reality, it is natural that we don't like to wait. We don't like to especially wait on God. We live in an instant society. We are sometimes in a hurry. You may be in a hurry when God isn't in a hurry. You may be ready, but God isn't ready. God wants to work on you. Listen to what he does. When you're going through that particular period, he wants to work on you before he works on your vision. He's getting you ready. Now, he was, I was in, I don't, we don't bring out some of the things that Julie and I had to do. We had to live with those characters for 14 years. Those heavy looking characters. Sonny talks about how I would send them with the van to take them to school. And Sonny, Junior, and they would say, leave yourself over here in the corner. Because when they took him right in front of the school, they say, who are those people? 14 years 
We had to be in a home having all those guys within our home. That was the time when I was saying, we got to take the world. What, Lord, don't you know that you gave me the vision of taking the world? Don't you know that you gave me a promise? What am I doing here with these guys in the house, Lord? What, what's happening? 14 years. What was God doing? God was preparing everything. Some of you may be in that waiting room right now. We have a good example. In the Bible, Noah waited 120 years before it began to rain. Right? That was heavy. Abraham was told he would be the father of a great nation, but he didn't have a child until, oh, this is, until 90 year, 99 years old. God made Moses wait 40 years in the desert before he became the deliverer. Joseph spent years in prison before God raised him up to be the ruler that he wanted him to be. This is pretty heavy, man. God had David anointed king. Now notice that he had him anointed king, and then he waited years actually before he became king. Every one of us, let me say, every one of us must go through the waiting period while we wait. God is teaching us to be able to trust him. See, we're going to do some big things for God. He's going to work on us before he works on the vision. We need to learn that God's timing is always perfect. You hear that? God's timing is always perfect. A delay is not a denial. There's a big difference between a no and a not yet. What he's saying to us, he's not saying no. He's saying not yet. Wait for my time. Now, the common reaction in that phase is to begin to doubt. That's when we begin to blow it. I've known many that gave up just before the breakthrough. Just before the breakthrough, they went ahead and they gave up because God wasn't moving fast enough for them. I almost did that, and I'm not going to go into detail, but you know the story. You read it in the book about how I was going to quit, and I went to this preacher, and then God had to speak to me through the preacher. And I, and I think most of the time, you have either your wife, your wife usually would say, no, 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 hold on, hold on. This time, she says, let's go for it. Let's get out of here. Then God had a way of uh, speaking to me through the preacher. And then after he spoke to me through the preacher, then right after that, right after that, I would have blown it if I would have given up. Right after that is when we got the breakthrough. And what happened? I learned something. I learned a spiritual lesson that we need to wait on God's timing. God's timing is always perfect. We have a tendency to react negatively in this phase. We start doubting. Maybe I miss God's vision. We need to remember that while you're in the waiting room of God, your faith is being tested. The waiting room of God will always reveal your faith. Not only do you wait, it gets a little bit heavier, okay? You're waiting, okay? Not only do you wait, but you will also face problems while you wait. There are two kinds of problems that you're going to face on favorable circumstances. That will always come. Then also the critics. And I mentioned about the critics. You can count on that. Moses had problems. He led the children of Israel, and then all of a sudden, first, there was no water. He started complaining about that. And then there was no food, and then God provided food, and then they didn't like the food they, that God provided. There were a bunch of complaints. Do we have people like that within the church? 
I'm sure that some of your leaders, I say, you guys are people like, there's some of you complainers that are sitting right here right now. Complainers. One problem after the other. They were doing what God wanted them to do, but they still had problems. So don't think because you're in the will of God that you're not going to have problems. Even the promised land had problems. They had giants in the land. Imagine that. David was anointed king and then for several years hunted down. He was being hunted down by Saul and forced to hide in caves. Joseph had a dream. He was sold into slavery and falsely accused of rape. Noah, imagine the difficulties Noah had 120 years before it actually rained. You will face problems because God is working on your faith and on your character. Now, if you're facing problems today, I want you to know that God knows exactly where you are at. He is a faithful God. And then last of all, there's, I like this one. And, and, and waiting, I'll give you a whole lot of examples. Waiting, let me throw the one, San Jose. I throw, I'm saying it's San Jose. Oh, God. I'm waiting for it to hit 1,000. And I said, oh, Pastor Sonny's coming to town. So Pastor Sonny's experience. Pastor Sonny's coming to town, and we're going to hit 1,000 right away. Huh. That's reminding me like San Diego. San Diego had to be there six years in San Diego. There's no way I'm going to be in San Jose in six years, man. I'll tell you. God. You hear me right now? I'm pro you, better, you better speed it up. Imagine I'm trying to tell God what to do. You better speed it up. Why? Because we don't, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't like to wait. Uh, also, uh, Panama, I want it fast. But then I don't know. It's all in God's hands. God works the way he wants to work. And there's some of you that have been in the waiting room of God. But I want you to know God is faithful. And the last one is the fulfillment phase. Ooh, this is the good one. Hallelujah, the fulfillment. Maybe you haven't arrived there yet. You may be in one of these. You may be in the vision phase. You may be in the decision phase. You may be in the waiting phase. But I got news for you. God is a faithful God. That's when God fulfills his promise. That's when your vision becomes a reality. In Moses' case, what happened to Moses? He became the deliverer. God said he's going to be delivered. He became the deliverer. Abraham became the father of many nations. Joseph's vision came true, and he became the second in command in Egypt. The vision that God gave us over 50 years ago, reaching the inner cities of the world has become, I got news for you, has become a reality. Today we're in over 35 countries around the world, and that's just the beginning. Actually, we're the biggest ministry of its type in the world. Imagine that, I could say that. Hallelujah, a little humble. Ones that came from East L.A., East L.A. <laughs> and now Northern California. Yeah. Woo! 
Northern California. We are the biggest ministry of its kind in the world. Because God is a faithful God. And uh, God is faithful. What, what vision has God given to you? If you don't have a vision, then you need to start praying for a vision. Purpose, God's purpose. If you don't have one, you haven't discovered it, stop praying. Some of you have a vision, but you have not made the decision to go for it. You haven't made the decision. I hope that this afternoon you make the decision. Some of you need to make the decision to commit your life to God and get involved in one of the ministries here within the church so God could develop you to be everything he wants you to be. Some of you may also be in the waiting room right now. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Don't run ahead of God. Remember that God is at work in your life. Also remember God will bring to pass all he has promised you. If you put your trust in him, the timing of the vision will become a reality because God is a faithful God. Now, I end with this. God wants you to catch the vision of being, you know what he wants you to be? That great leader. There are leaders here, man. There are leaders here. Great leader. There are world shakers that are in this place this afternoon. There are history makers that are in this place. History makers that God wants you to be. Don't underestimate this afternoon your potential. If you could do it with others, he could do it for you. You can be more, I say, you could be more, you could be more than you are right now. Are you ready to get a hold of that? And especially in Victory Outreach, uh, I'm telling you the truth, well, you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. Even though I'm not a horse. But I'm the founder, man. They call me Mr. Vision. And you know what you know what I see out here? I see history makers. I see world shakers. I see out here. This is if you're under this minute, this man right here, that's what God is raising up. This is just the beginning right here, just the beginning. I mean, you're over here in this building, and uh, pretty soon you're not gonna be, you're gonna have to move out of this building. And and God will open up the doors. And just like He was saying, it's not just a local ministry, but it's a global ministry that God has given to us. I see our sister from the Philippines. Where is she? She's saying, oh, where, where's she at? She's where's she at? All right, we're hiding over there, sister. What are you? You know what she reminds me of? She reminds me of Chucky's wife. Don't they have style when they sing? I mean, Chucky's wife is something. You've seen her, right? She comes and... I mean, Chucky is... I don't know how those people ever got together, man. <laughs> she makes him look good. And he says, now my wife is going to sing. And no! God is a mind blower, man. God, 
is a mind blower. Amen. He's a miracle working God. And we need, we need men and women of God. We need, we need, if we're going to reach the nations, then God is going to have to raise up men and women. Men and women of faith, men and women of character, world shakers that he's going to raise, history makers that he's going to raise. In the coming years, there's much more. There's a bigger need than ever before. You hear about the drug problems that we have in our nation. All over the world, there's a need. There's a need for victory outreach. The need is still there. And God has raised us up to meet that need. Will you come alongside of, with me and believe God? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to commit yourself and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to be one of those soldiers. I'm going to be one of those generals and some of those sisters that are going to go alongside of Julie and say, Julie, we're going to lift up your hands and we believe God's going to do some great and mighty things. Are you willing to do that? Yeah. Then we have a future. If we're willing to do that, then I could say with all certainty, Victory Outreach has a future. Victory Outreach has a future. Are you ready to commit your life? Are you ready to step out this, this, this afternoon? Are you ready to step out and, and go for it? Even though you don't understand it fully? Are you ready to do that? Not only have the vision, but say, I'm going to step out in the name of Jesus. And I am going to go for it then I want you to stand with me right now. I want you to stand with me right now. Hallelujah.